What's up, everyone? Thanks so much for listening to the Go Long Podcast solo episode today with day one of three in the books, a highly entertaining NFL draft. I, I think that we were all, you know, maybe not on the edge of our seats, but pretty close. And it just goes to show how worthless mock drafts are. So even though everybody expends so many hours and wasted calories um, into mock drafts 1.0 through God forbid, five, six, seven point oh. Uh, most were, you know, crinkled up and thrown in the trash when the Houston Texans decided to select CJ Stroud second overall. So yes, mock drafting is a grift. Never forget that. It's fun. Hey, sometimes grifting is fun and it can be kind of neat to see who could go where, but in terms of the literal purpose of the mock draft, it's it is what it is. All right, but let's get to it. I, I just want to kind of hit on a handful of things, nothing too lengthy. I'll reconnect with Jim Monas uh, after the fact. And, of course, Saturday night when the draft wraps up, 6 p.m. Eastern, subscribers can get on the happy hour. Bob McGinn, our resident draft expert who just polished off his 39th annual draft series, is going to be on the happy hour. So uh, be sure to join. Really, ask about any prospect that interests you at all. Ask about the Aaron Rodgers trade that Bob reported February 17th and was finally executed a few days ago. We'll get into anything and everything you'd like. So the link is right there at golongtd.com if you want to join. And we've got stories up. Uh, Bob has several different posts, what the scouts and execs are saying about Bryce Young to Green Bay Packers, Buffalo Bills, and New York Giants's First round picks. Obviously, we've got a lot of followers with all three of those teams. So um, he gets into Deontay Banks, Dalton Kincaid, and of course, Lucas Van Ness. Uh, opinions all over the board, especially with the Green Bay Packers first pick, which we'll get into a little bit. Uh, and then I have a column on the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, this is a team being mocked for taking a running back in the top 10, but this just so happens to be the best player in the draft on the heels of the best free agency class for any team in the NFL. I love where Atlanta's going. I think they have a plan. I think it's different. Cuts against the grain. So wrote on that at go long as well. Uh, so when you look at the first round of the draft, what stands out? I think it's Houston Texans trade up. So after two years of intentionally losing, I, I mean, it would be a shame and embarrassing if you looked at the Texans these last two years and thought they were actually trying to field a competitive team. Um, re- really mostly embarrassing football. Uh, the higher David Cully than Lovey Smith, just sacrificial lambs. Uh, you, you felt for Lovey at the end of the year and good at him getting that win, uh, almost to, and, and in spite, you know, he's going to be fired. You know, it's just been a bad roster, the, the worst roster in the NFL. So they had to be bold. They had to do something big in this draft. And I think by the draft night, most folks thought they'd go defense because of the agent connection. C.J. Stroud, represented by David Mugaletta, same agent as Sean Watson. Do the Texans want to get into trouble there? And then, of course, the S2 scores, as reported by Bob in his series. Not pretty. 18% well below that 80% benchmark that teams are looking for. Red alert, red alert, as a scout said, right? Or a personnel exec. So, it was a concern, right? It's not an indicator of success if you score high, like Bryce Young did at 98%. But if you're that low, teams are worried. 
CJ Stroud was asked about it, didn't deny it, basically said, I'm not a test taker, I'm a football player. But I say this, I mean, good on the Texans to have conviction, believe in a player. They saw something in CJ Stroud. They have all the facts too, and they had to take a chance. I don't know if it's going to work out. It may work out, it may not. But to take Stroud, trade up, get Will Anderson, you have the potential, the chance at two blue chippers, right? Like two building blocks for a team that desperately needs anything. So I don't know whether to give it a good grade, a bad grade. I don't get caught up into into grading specific players because we don't know how these players are going to project quite yet. But they give themselves a chance at quarterback. Will Anderson does seem as close to a guaranteed perennial solid player as it gets in this draft. So the Texans have a plan. Uh, from there, Anthony Richardson to the Indianapolis coach. Holy hell, that is going to be fun. Shane Steichen, he worked his magic with Justin Herbert out in L.A. And then, of course, with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. And this is always the question that I think is so fascinating. Who was responsible for the success of, of a Jalen Hurts, right? Of a quarterback who from year one to two to three ascends, improves by leaps and bounds. This was a team that, right, they want to run for 200 yards a game. They'll, they're built up from a Jeff Stoutland. They really were even last season up to the Super Bowl, but Jalen Hurts developed as, as Quincy Avery, his private quarterback coach uh, to, told us, look, it's just confidence. It wasn't necessarily seeing the field better or reading coverages better. It was knowing I had the confidence to make this throw on this play. If it sounds vague, I get it. But just imagine the call comes in and you have to somehow throw a deep back shoulder to A.J. Brown. And it's got to be on the money in stride where he can box out the corner, leap up and high point it. You've got to be able to make that throw. You've got to have the confidence you can make that throw. So what's that born out of? It's born out of thousands upon thousands of repetition of work through February, March, April, May, June, July, August, and then developing that rapport with A.J. Brown. So I, I think that that's where he really deserves credit is he worked at it. But you have to think that the play calling and the coaching in-house had a hell of a lot to do with it. Nick Sirianni did delegate. Uh, he was very public about it. He gave a lot of responsibilities to his offensive and defensive coordinators. And, and as an offensive guy, that's admirable. So I think that Anthony Richardson has a fantastic chance in Indianapolis. Now, it's going to take a bit. I don't think anybody should be on the edge of their seats waiting week four, week 10, week 18 for anything. Out of Anthony Richardson. Hell, if Patrick Mahomes goes an entire rookie season playing that one last meaningless game, I think Indianapolis would love Richardson to sit. I mean, Gardner Minshew is Gardner Minshew. It's not necessarily a inspiring choice as a starter, especially for a team with, with some vets. I mean, we talked to Zaire Franklin. You heard him here. He's, I mean, these are guys that want to win right now. They've got a lot of players who, are capable of competing and winning in the moment. Maybe the best running back in football in Jonathan Taylor. On the defensive side of the ball, DeForest Buckner has been around what feels like forever. Zaire Franklin coming into his own. Shaq previously, Darius Leonard, the best playmaking linebacker in football. Kenny Moore as your nickelback, one of the best Knicks. So they've got 
players I think they want to win now that now now it's clear. Okay, it's going to it's going to take a while for the Colts to be a Super Bowl contender, and that is perfectly fine. I give Chris Ballard so much credit. I, I guess he started at the top with Jim Irsay because who knows? Maybe ownership has been putting pressure on Ballard to constantly sign these vets uh, to compete for a Super Bowl. They they had to just slow their horses, no pun intended, and have a three year plan. Hell, have a five year plan. Matt Matt Ryan was shot. Philip Rivers, I know his numbers looked good that last year in the Colts. If you actually watched those games. Specifically that Buffalo game, that throw that he missed to Michael Pittman in the back of the end zone in the wild card. He, he was shot. He, he was done. Uh, Carson Wentz, wow, did that backfire? And this is in between the two. Why was I wrong on that? I thought that would be a great fit. So sprinkling Jacoby Brissett in there too. I mean, since Andrew Luck just shocked the world, this has been a team recycling vets, trying to win in the now, trying to get one more run. And is that from Ursay? Is it from Frank Reich when he was there? Is it from Ballard? You never really know. It feels like ownership's fingerprints are kind of all over those organizational decisions to just go for it. Well, you, if you're going to take a project on like Anthony Richardson, somebody who barely played college football and it was sporadic, you know, we've talked about him at length, obviously, but the LSU game, the deep bomb to start the game, the 80 yard touchdown run, he has three, four jaw-dropping moments a game, yet in between those jaw-dropping moments, there's inconsistency, inaccuracies, what have you. He's a project. But I think you get excited about Anthony Richardson because you can fix these things. And the scouts even really talked about that to Bob and that his inaccuracy, like his mechanical flaws – if you even want to call it a flaw, like th- this is correctable. This is the new NFL. You can fix accuracy. It's not something you're just born with. You can fix that. What you can't fix is a quarterback running 4-4 with his vertical leap and his arm strength. That, that, that stuff you're just, you're born with or not. So they're going to bring him in. They're going to develop him. Th- they'll probably get a stud receiver in 2024. And they'll hope to really launch this thing in 2025, I would think. So it's going to take a lot of patience. But this is really the perfect franchise for Anthony Richardson because, you know, this is a fan base that is all about patience right now. I mean, they've they've kind of had the the fishing bait out there dangling year after year after year. They've been told this is a team that can win the Super Bowl right now, and they've taken that bait since Andrew Luck retired. And I think they're almost ready to just – Wait, <laughs> let's let's try to win down the road. Let's have a five-year plan. Let's let's develop a potential star at quarterback. That's Anthony Richardson. He could have the absolute greatest upside of any player in this draft. It'll be fun to see him develop, and you and you just hope that, that he has that time. Uh and Isaiah McKenzie's out there too. So hey, not not a not a bad place to be if Isaiah McKenzie is out there. With you, Anthony Richardson. Still working our way down the draft. Uh, I think Devin Witherspoon, rightfully so, is the scouts' favorite player. Gamer, unbelievable cover man, playmaker. Everything about his game screams Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll probably had visions back to those Legion of Boom days. So a a really, really solid roster only gets better 
with Devin Witherspoon. They also picked up Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, to get maybe the best wide receiver in the draft at 20 overall is is a coup. I mean, that's really what started the run on receivers, I believe. Yeah. So they, they were able to get the best of the bunch right before Quinton Johnston went to the Chargers. Zay Flowers went to the Ravens. Jordan Addison went to the Vikings. And then the Bills, they get a, a hybrid in Dalton Kincaid. So I, I think that Seattle really got great value with those two picks there. And Geno Smith, he was the comeback player of the year. And there's no reason to think he can't do in 2023 what he did in 2022. You can win with him. You can get to the playoffs with him. Probably have to replace him one day. But I think you know, round two hasn't started while I'm recording this. There'll be possibilities there. What don't I like? Well, I think Darnell Wright is a massive, massive question mark. And for those that read Bob's series, you obviously know why. So the Bears, they have the number one pick. They just get a ton of capital in the trade with Carolina, which is great for them because they have a lot of needs. And I get it. You know, one reader even mentioned this to me. Ryan Poles knows linemen. And if that's the case, maybe he knows more than what a lot of these scouts are saying. But it's not pretty. Uh, Darnell Wright. Now, look, on the field, he, he shut down Alabama and Georgia. Maybe if you do that and you silence their pass rushers, nothing else matters. And that's what the Bears are banking on. That what people around the NFL think about his football character isn't going to hold him back. In case you missed it, I'll just rattle off a few of the scout comments here. Quote, he's a talented underachiever, not great football character. You could hit on him if he has an epiphany and becomes a pro. He's got a shitload of talent. Here's another scout quote. There's a lot of entitlement with this kid, but he did shut out Will Anderson. Absolutely. If you want to, if you want to like him, that's the tape you point to and say, this guy's a starting left or right tackle case closed. But when you dig into it, he's never been much of a worker, barely does enough to get by, not super cooperative. Hard work is not in his vocabulary, just does enough, but he has absolutely helped himself. Had a good senior bowl, had a good combine. He's probably been clean enough in the interviews that somebody would say, hey, we'll work with him. I think he could flame out pretty quick because he's not a worker. It might not be as easy as he thinks it's going to be in the league. So-so arm length, 33, three-quarter inch, tiny hands, nine inches. Uh, It's a risk. A lot of these tackles are risks. And if it works out, hey, Chicago, they decided to go all in on Justin Fields. Now you have to protect him. The, the, the talent's there. And if you go back through the series over the years, there's been many cases, many examples where the scouts were hypercritical of a player and his football character, and that player ended up working out. You obviously need to have the infrastructure. Does Chicago have it? I don't know. They haven't won in a long time. Uh, still a new head coach at it, new GM. It's going to be really interesting to see that. Detroit. I'd love to know what you all think about Detroit. Jameer Gibbs, 12th overall running back after you paid David Montgomery 18 mil over three years, which I'm telling you, it stunned Jamal Williams. I was really plugged in with his camp during free agency. They did not see that coming at all. Um, I don't even know if I mentioned this. I was on the phone with somebody very close to Jamal. Sure. You can put two and two together. And as I was on the phone with him, that's when Drew Rosenhaus called him. He's like, oh, hey, sorry, Ty, I got to get off the phone. And they find out right then 
the Lions are going with David Montgomery. They really thought all along that it was going to be mutual. It wasn't. They view David Montgomery as an upgrade. They paid him pretty good money. And then they still draft a running back out of Alabama, who reportedly they would have considered right there at sixth overall. They traded down uh, with Arizona, right? Yeah, they take Paris Johnson there. I don't know. I love running backs, and I love what Atlanta's doing, but I think there's probably a wide gap between Bijan Robinson and anybody else at the position. Learned that Dan Campbell is a good person to trust. Brad Holmes, too. They've done a bang-up job completely reconfiguring that roster. Remember, they let a lot of vets go. They really cleaned house. They wanted to rebuild with their own, with young players. They were the youngest team in the league or the second youngest team in the league in both of the last two seasons. They went through their growing pains on defense because of it. And they by the end of the year, there they are at Lambeau Field, knocking Green Bay out of the playoffs. So they, they all of those young players grew up in a hurry. We're going to see how this works out. I think Jack Campbell at 18 overall, that's a linebacker almost built in a lab by Dan Campbell. Uh, big, fast, Iowan <laughs> had a ton of responsibility in their defense. He'll be the one that they really entrust to lead the defense. So they had all this draft capital. I think what some of us wanted, oh, is Anthony Richardson a possibility? I, we'll, we'll never really know because he went four. Uh, but they find two players that help you win now. And this is a team ready to win now in a different way. They didn't need to just go out there and, and have a quarterback savior plan for ownership. They took on Jared Goff's contract in the trade. They let him start, had a ton of heartbreaking losses in 2021 and 2022, really. But he played well last season. He was really, really good. I mean, statistically, was right there with any of the quarterbacks in the NFC, just shy of uh, Jalen Hurts. So that will. 4,438 yards, 29 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. He's trustworthy. He made some big throws in that Green Bay win, and he's going to have a lot of weapons around him that are only going to get better, and now he's got an even better ground game. I get it. It's easy to criticize these teams that draft running backs, but I think Detroit's proven they know what they're doing, and I think that it's absolutely time for all of us. If the Clayus Campbell signing didn't do it, that's what – really did change my perspective and get me thinking about the Atlanta Falcons in a new way. This draft has to do it. To get the best player in the draft, the Atlanta Falcons need to be taken seriously in the NFC. I think that they put themselves in this position to make a luxury pick, to take a running back, maybe a transcendent talent. That's not hyperbolic. Uh, The scouts are comparing him to Edron James, a Hall of Famer. Christian McCaffrey, peak Le'Veon Bell. You know, he can work out of the slot. He can catch balls on screens. They're going to move him all over the place. He was dominant at Texas against high-level competition. He'll be the centerpiece of their offense. And I just don't get the the criticism of why do you draft a running back? Why are you valuing this player? Well, if you just want to talk about finances, this is the best financial investment that you can make. You know, he, he's on a cost control rookie deal slotted in as the eighth overall pick. And he's your best player on offense. Your focal point. You're feeding him the ball every possible way. You get him in his prime. 
you get him for the, the four years plus the fifth year option and maybe the sixth year you franchise tag him. And when it gets to that point, hell, maybe then you decide whether or not you debate it then. Do we want to pay him 15, 20 million, whatever it is then? I don't know. That's a lot of money. Maybe you don't do it then. You just try to find another running back for right now. That window, that five, six year window, uh, give me that running back in his prime over Jalen Carter, who we don't know if he even loves football and another defensive player that could be good, but maybe not great. John Robinson has potential to be great. And I give Arthur Smith, Terry Fontenot a ton of credit for not succumbing to the, to the quote unquote noise. I hate using that word, but convention to not just giving in into what everybody thinks everybody says. I mean, they've been told from day one of free agency that they're, they're spending wrong to give Chris Lindstrom all of that money, the most money any guards got in NFL history. Well, he also happened to be pro football focuses most highly number one graded player from last season, any position, you know, a thousand snaps from somebody who's just going to shut down whoever he faces versus the run in the pass. That's money well spent. There's a lot of other ways you can blow through a hundred million dollars. Uh, we've talked about a few of those players on the podcast here in Buffalo. That's somebody I think you can trust. You can believe it. And that's the theme. They sign players that you know are going to help change your culture. They're not going to just cast checks and they're talented. Jesse Bates one of the best safeties in the NFL, right? Uh, you, you steal two of the Saints' core players on defense and plug them into your defense. So it's a win, 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 win. And now you go three years in a row taking core playmakers for your offense from Kyle Pitts, a tight end, who was not utilized correctly last season. Now, how much of that was play calling? How much of that was Marcus Mariota? We don't know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that he'll have more of a receiving role now with John U. Smith around to do some of the blocking, maybe take a load off a better passer. I, I'm a Kyle Pitts believer and that's rooted in everything that Tony Gonzalez to George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, these tight ends that we, that I talked to in blood and guts, they, they like Pitts a lot. And I, I tend to agree. I, I get it. The value is odd to take a tight end fourth overall, but now you, Pair that with Drake London, another big receiver, and now Robinson. That's that's a problem for defenses. I mean, Drake London, we forget, with a one of the worst throwers of the football in the NFL as his quarterback last year, most of last year, still had 72 catches for 866 yards and four touchdowns. So they're going to be able to get creative. They're going to be able to... Play 11, 22 personnel, empty, shift guys around, be unpredictable. And let's not forget Arthur Smith is the same coach who squeezed two career years out of Ryan Tannehill. Completely saved his career in a lot of of ways. And Derrick Henry did too. You did have a 2,000-yard back. That helps. But he got the most out of Henry. He got the most out of Tannehill. They got to the AFC Championship game in 2019. He's smart. He's a smart offensive mind. Uh, some of the game management stuff, as Monas mentioned once, you know, let's let's see some improvement there. But you can see how his mind works, even in these press conferences like yesterday, where he's imagining how all these players are going to work in conjunction. And he's comparing Tyler Algiers running style to Robinson. And, yeah, they both get a lot of yards after contact, but it's in different ways. One wants to run you over. One like Robinson, your defender's just going to pinball off of him. I think they're in good hands there. And, and Terry Fontenot has been a calm, steady hand. 
as the GM, they never felt the need to just sell the farm for a quarterback, to trade a bunch of picks and move up. They still need a lot of help on defense. And I would think the rest of the draft is all about defense. But I think that Calais Campbell, as Dan Campbell said at the owners meetings, he, he eliminates half the field. He's not going to run to his side and they're going to use him more as a pass rusher. He, he helps her defense a lot there. There's a lot to love about the Atlanta Falcons. So, uh, yeah, I think that this draft is the moment where it's easy to just grill and rail on a team that takes a running back. Oh, this should be the moment that we take them seriously in the NFC. I would consider them the favorites in the South. And you get in the playoffs in the NFC, who knows? But they might be a year or two away from being a serious force. And, oh, yeah. I get it. Desmond Ritter. It's all about the quarterback. I'll just put a pin in that right now because we'll be getting back to Desmond Ritter. We've got to explore, you know, his readiness and what they can get out of him because what an opportunity, what a team that they're building around him. We're going we're to get a Dalton Kincaid when I have bonus back on. I'll, you know, surprise, surprise. Love the pick. Tight end. He's not, he's not really a tight end. I, I really think that they view him as a hybrid, as somebody who's going to work in the slot, do a lot of that short to intermediate stuff. What did we say all season? It's boomer bust with this Bills offense. It's big plays or it's sacks, turnovers. This is a presence in the middle of the field that fits perfectly with the skill sets of Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis and uh, Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield. Love it. Naeem Hines. I think that he, there won't be two of the same. You know, I think you've got different body types and different weapons that can kind of all feed off of each other. If you're Buffalo, Deontay Banks, New York Giants, cornerback, Maryland. Just reading Bob's uh, scouts comments, he quickly became one of my favorite prospects in this draft. I think there's a reason that we saw Joe Shane so ecstatic in that draft room because this is somebody that's going to compete. I mean, he runs a Four three one, which was the third fastest forty. So he's got the speed. He's got the six foot two hundred pound size. This is from one scout. Quote: He's number one or number two in all the athletic testing. He does not have natural ball skills. He's a developmental upside player. You roll the dice on. It's going to take a little time. But I love this quote, that Ohio State game, man, he was like, this is my game. This is another scout. He went against Marvin Harrison Jr. And those guys, I mean, think about it, Jackson Smith and Jigba loaded. And he was good. He talked shit to those guys the whole game. He can press and run and run support. He's strong. He can hold up against big wideouts. He just gets a little grabby downfield some. But when he's locked in, he's a top 10 talent. Uh, this is a major position of need. But also where they where they got him is ideal. 24th overall. Great value. The defense continues to add some just quality talent with a lot of upside. Kayvon Thibodeau, right, at the top of last year's draft. Same deal. Um, looked good last season. Now they're going to expect a big step out of him. And you better hit on these picks if you're in New York because – Philadelphia, they think they've got the infrastructure for Jalen Carter. I'm not holding my breath on Jalen Carter. But if that works out, yeah, he'll be a problem with Jordan Davis and everybody they have on the defensive line. (laughs) Man. 
All right. Thank you so much for uh, listening to the podcast, reading everything over at golongtd.com. Again, uh, Bob McGinn, Saturday night, six o'clock. Follow the link right there on the site. We'll be in there to talk Packers, talk draft, anything you want. And it's going to be open to all paid subscribers. Typically, the happy hours are just for our VIP members. So I want to give everybody a feel for what these are like. Hey, you can always consider a VIP subscription as well. Uh, get a hoodie, a book, full happy hour access. And it's all about you. You tell me who you want to hang out with. Thanks so much, everyone.